0: Putting away money for retirement, since I'm not going to be doing this podcast forever. Sorry, I guess I could, but retirement is huge for me. I am deeply focused on it right now. And planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year. Taxes are a doozy, and it's always changing. How do you know what to do? Listen to Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's Bad With Money with Gabby Dunn. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bad With Money. I am Gabby Dunn, your host, and this is a mailbag episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, so on Wednesday, we got real juicy with the ongoing Zillow controversy, so we will talk about that again here. Later, we're going to hear from Ben all about this Zillow controversy and his thoughts on how that dovetails with other stuff about the housing market and other stuff about rent, including my cancel rent episode. So, oh my God, things tie together on this show. Can you believe it? And then we're going to read a review from Sam Said God Rocks, plus a bunch of other emails and reviews and Discord comments. So stay tuned. Okay, so if you listen to our Wednesday episode, you know that we talked all about how Zillow is using iBuying, specifically Zillow offers, in order to buy up houses and then flip them for more money. Basically, instead of you putting your house on the market and letting everybody have a chance at buying it, you just sell it directly to Zillow. Redfin and Opendoor are also doing similar things, Um, but Zillow's specific one was called Zillow Offers. So we recorded this whole episode. We even got a rep from Zillow on the record. If you go back and listen to Wednesday's episode, you will hear us talk to her. Her name's Amanda Pendleton. And then... Breaking news, right before the episode was coming out, it turns out that Zillow is going to stop buying homes through Zillow offers, at least through the rest of 2021. I was shocked what timing CNN Business and a bunch of other places started reporting that Zillow is no longer going to purchase directly from sellers and then relist the properties because basically they have a labor shortage, which... (laughs) Guess what? A lot of people do. There is a shortage of like plumbers and stonemasons and carpenters and woodworkers. And so people that are trying to flip houses are actually having a lot of trouble booking out people who can actually do the labor. So Zillow put out this statement being like, we're pausing all new contracts. We're, you know, not going to do this anymore for 2021. Now some people think that the reason that they're not doing this anymore is because there was such a backlash and such a controversy surrounding it because people thought that it was Zillow actually trying to manipulate the housing market, which I did talk about in our episode from Wednesday. So if you wanna get all the tea about that, go listen to that episode. But basically like Zillow stock is plummeting a little bit because of this. It's been like huge news in the real estate market. I I really don't know who to believe. I don't know if this is actually because of a material shortage and a labor shortage, which is true, that is what's happening, or if it is because there was such a backlash in terms of like people thinking that they're not going to be able to compete with companies who are raising the prices on these houses and I mean, the housing market is so intense right now anyway that all these companies buying up houses was really pissing people off. So that's my breaking news on that topic. I was really shocked to see that right as we were about to put out the episode. So let me know what you think actually happened. I suspect that Zillow was fibbing a little bit and I tried to push back a little in our main episode I do think there is a labor and material shortage, but I also think that they faced a lot of internet, TikTok specifically, and Twitter, but a lot on TikTok backlash for doing this in a competitive housing market. So let me know what you think. It is pretty juicy. Okay, this is a little bit more information about the Zillow stuff. It is a really, really great email from Ben. It's a little bit long, but I really want to read it because Ben had a lot of really great stuff to say. Hi, Gabby. My name is Ben. First of all, I really love your podcast and have been listening since season one. I really enjoy thinking and learning about money. And as a straight white dude, I realize how important it is for me to listen to other voices on this stuff. So I really appreciate how much you provide a space for voices from people who are not just like me. I wanted to offer a thought or two on the housing market, especially thinking about the larger systemic pieces. I really agreed with your assessment at the end of the Zillow episode that iBuying doesn't increase inventory. After all, if someone is selling their house, then they are also going to buy another one, taking that house off the market. It's inventory neutral. That's exactly what I said, Ben. Here's where I believe the true root of the housing crisis lies lack of inventory. Zillow doesn't need a market monopoly to mess up the market and benefit hugely because the market is already so messed up, and that's because supply is so low. The U.S. has built an abnormally low amount of housing over the last 25 years, making prices skyrocket for the limited current stock. I think this is also relevant to the larger system at play in your Cancel Rent episode with activist Ana Diaz-Casos. She talks about the threat of gentrification with her neighborhood's proximity to the Pentagon, This makes sense. The Pentagon provides jobs, unfortunately, LOL. Ben wrote that. I didn't write that, but that is very funny. So then people move there and need housing. If there isn't new housing to fit them, they'll simply buy up existing housing, leading to displacement and evictions. It's worth asking why the new housing had to be built in Anna's neighborhood, of course, rather than a whiter, wealthier neighborhood closer to the job center. This is where the true system lies. Exclusionary zoning. White wealthy neighborhoods often have rules about what homes can be built there, preventing cheaper options like duplexes and apartments to be built to increase supply in the housing market and therefore lower prices. I don't want to ramble too much here. You're not rambling. This is actually incredibly insightful. And also you agreed with me up top and I love being agreed with. But I do think this subject could potentially make a great episode. I would also point you to journalist Jerusalem Demsess with Vox. She is a woman of color who has written extensively about the systemic problems of housing and how we got here. It's not just the pandemic. Apologies for this brick of an email and thanks for taking the time to read it. And also thanks again for your great show. I have learned a lot. Best, Ben. Thank you, Ben. That was an incredibly well-researched email and I really appreciate the hat tip to a woman of color journalist I will check that out the other thing that you guys were really excited about is that I posted a conversation that we had with Jennifer Myers who was also a guest on Wednesday's episode about murder houses and buying houses where violent deaths have occurred so we're gonna get to that but first let's take a little break we'll be right back Okay, so before we get into Murder Houses, I want to remind you how much you can help me by sharing the show with three friends. Share it with three friends. Email it to them. Text it to them. You can also write an Apple review, and please listen to the show the day that it drops. It helps my ratings if you listen to the show the day that it drops. I know from the research that we do on you guys that you like to listen to the show in four or five episode chunks of binging, but I need you to listen to them when they come out. Please. So... Now, murder houses. I posted this little clip of me and Jennifer Myers talking about if a real estate agent has to disclose when there's been a violent death in a house. And everyone lost their minds. Uh, A couple of people commented saying they actually live in murder houses. One of you guys said that you pulled up a carpet and found a blood stain. You had your mother-in-law do a bunch of blessings and cleansings before you moved in. Some people say that they really wanna buy a murder house. You know, it's also hard, I think, in this country to not kind of live on a burial ground type place or to not live somewhere where like maybe a battle occurred, just speaking as someone with a cursory knowledge of US history. Also, you know, some people were saying their houses are 120 years old. So you kind of have to assume that somebody probably passed away there. I look at a website called housecreep.com, and I also look at a website called diedinhouse.com where you can look up whether people have passed away in your home. My friend Jackie Johnson, who does a wonderful podcast called Natch Butte, said, 99% of the houses I looked at and the one I bought, someone had died in. The only people willing to list in this market are dead. (laughs) Uh, A lot of places don't require by law for the realtor to tell you if somebody had died in that house. So I recently looked up why somebody would want to purchase a murder house, and I think a lot of people said that they want to change the vibe of the house. To me, I think I would want to do it because it's like owning a piece of history, but most people actually said that they purchased these houses so that they can put happy memories in them. And I thought that was really lovely. You can also cash in. The woman who bought the Lizzie Borden house turned it into a bed and breakfast, (laughs) which is dark and interesting. There's the Laurie Mansion, which they shot part of Coven, the season of American Horror Story, in. And also in LA, there is the Los Feliz Murder Mansion. People have bought it multiple times over and then acted like they were going to move in or flip it and then for some reason never did. So I don't know what's up there. But a lot of these places have also been knocked down or like completely just like brought, like gutted to their bare bones. For instance, the home where Nicole Brown Simpson was murdered, that has been completely knocked down, probably so that people don't drive by and and rubberneck. I think that's probably like really distasteful. And speaking of distasteful, okay, one last thing. I also found this show that's on Roku, so I haven't watched it yet, but it's called Murder House Flip. And it's basically these two people like taking homes where murders happened and then flipping them. And they brand it as like an unconventional home renovation show. I will check it out and let you guys know what I think. But I was very confused by the tone of the show and how often they said, whoa, you shower where he dismembered the body. That's too many. Even one time is too many times to say that. So would you buy a murder home? Let me know. Uh, It is a very tight housing market. So You know, you could be like Jackie and only find murder homes. Would you buy a murder home? Why would you want to buy a murder home? You can leave comments on at BWMPod on Instagram. That is where a lot of people started leaving comments about their opinions on murder homes. You can also write in to GabbyIsBadWithMoney at gmail.com or better yet, record your questions, send us a voice memo. I want to hear all about your thoughts on both the Zillow controversy, the housing market, and also murder homes. That is, again, GabbyIsBadWithMoney at gmail.com. You can also call in at 844-474-4040. I have never had this much reaction <laughs> to anything I've posted about real estate before. Like you guys were really, really interested in the <laughs> the whether or not it has to be disclosed that there was a violent death in a home. So let's go. Let's let's hear more about it. I'll do a whole second mailbag episode all about that if you guys want. I'm going to read some of your reviews and comments because they've been so lovely. So here's a review from The username is just nonsense letters, but it was five stars, and it says, I love Gabby as a human, and they've taught me so much. Dump your Privileged White Dude podcast and listen to this instead. Thank you, thank you. That's really, really sweet. Felix Humboldt wrote, The Best of Money. Money podcasts are typically boring and judgmental, but Bad with Money is the opposite. Personal, nuanced, and made for real, messy people. Thank you. I try so hard, as I am a real, messy person. (laughs) Rebecca from New Hampshire wrote, Love this podcast. Abolish money now. This podcast has been a really helpful way to start a conversation about money or even to jumpstart my own thinking about money. It's refreshing to hear about money from someone who understands the stigma, gets how messed up the system is, and who takes on topics like the LGBTQ economy, financial trauma, defunding the police, universal health care, and more. I'm learning more every day about how to work within the system for my own survival while also working to dismantle the inequitable systems themselves. Thank you so much, Rebecca. And our newest five-star Apple review is from Sam Says God Rocks, still confused, but not alone. (laughs) Funny and honest, as someone who feels really uncomfortable with money and figuring out how to manage it ethically and sustainably, this is one of the first shows I feel I can listen to and exhale because I am not alone in figuring out this complicated world. Well, I'm glad you're confused and not alone. I guess guess that's the best we can hope for. There's also some really lovely comments that have been left on the Discord, where I will leave a link to the Discord in the description for this episode. This one's from Dumpling, and it says... Honestly, I've mostly only worked restaurant jobs, so unless you're management, it's not really a thing to negotiate your pay. They would laugh at me if I tried. But I've been listening to Bad With Money since the beginning of time, and I literally can't wait until I have a full-time job after I graduate just so I can use my skills. Although when I did work front desk at a hotel, I asked for a raise when they certified me to inspect rooms. Only a select few were chosen to be certified, not everyone. And I was told the company wouldn't do it, so I quit. Sunglasses emoji. I love the confidence. Here's another Discord comment from Ten Sun. Hot damn, thanks for doing this episode. Uh, this was the one about negotiation, uh, which you can listen to. It's with Amy Gallo and uh, Nora McNerney. That was our first episode of season nine. Hot damn, thanks for doing this episode. I wish it came out a long time ago. The job I'm starting next week is the first one where I've actually asked for more money than was originally offered. And it's only because my wife was kind enough to ghostwrite the first draft of the email for me. Oh my God, my partner has written so many texts for me. they're really good at describing feelings anyway okay it's a 15k difference holy shit good for you and in hindsight i probably could have gotten more maybe i only think that because i said my number first though wink right wow well i'm glad you got that extra 15k and i'm glad you have a wife that is so supportive okay here's an email that we got from crystal kennedy it says hi gabby I just thought you'd enjoy this anecdote. I matched with a guy in a dating app who turned out to be a white finance bro, which like cool because we have something to talk about after I've listened to your podcast. But his favorite movie is The Wolf of Wall Street, so clearly he's irredeemable, ha ha. Then last night he was super pushy asking for photos of me, not even nude photos, though I'm sure he was going to get there eventually. I repeatedly said no. This was my favorite of those responses. And then it's a text where he says, I'm seriously dying to look at you. And she says, then perish. Love it, absolutely love it. A reader named Casey wrote, hi Gabby, idea for an episode. I'm a 35-year-old person, and I have a lot of social pressure to purchase my first home. I think there are many reasons why someone wouldn't want to be a homeowner intentionally, similar to how someone might choose to not have children intentionally. I don't want the financial burden of paying high property tax, the emotional burden of having to source my own repairs when things go wrong, and the socioeconomic burden of being a white landowner funded by my generational wealth and privilege. Can you explore this topic in a future episode? Are there people like me? Is there a growing political resistance against homeowning? Is it more ethical or am I deceiving myself? Thank you, Casey. That is a great question. Are there more people out there like Casey? If you are like Casey, please write in. I am very curious. I also want to thank our new patrons from patreon.com slash Gabby Dunn. That's Elizabeth, Emily, Caleb, T, Sophie, Emma, Kaylee, Catherine, And uh, Amelia, Celine, Lisa, and Olivia. If I've missed your name, please write in or comment on my Instagram and let me know that I missed you. I'm doing my best at keeping up with the patrons, but people are coming in in huge waves. And stay tuned for Wednesday's regular episode where we're going to be talking to the points guy, all about credit card points, hotel points, everything. And my partner Mal Blum makes a triumphant return to talk about how much they know about points. Okay, bye!